Good morning. Uh, let me ask, before I begin, uh, if you did not receive a handout, please, please raise your hand. I need, uh, there's some hands up there. Do you have some more? Where is, uh, good, David. There's some up on the front pew, too. Good. Please raise your hand, and I'll explain to you who in the world we are, all these people coming in and visiting. It's good to uh, be here from Project Rescue. Uh, yeah, raise your hand as he comes by. Project Rescue is an addiction recovery program. We're an in-house program. We house and feed and manage, manage and especially uh, uh, minister uh, to about 24, 25 men at a time. Our main target is reaching out to members of the Churches of Christ. And uh, all the men here are members of the church from around the country who come to us uh, for help. Uh, the reason I got into Project Rescue Addiction Recovery is because I obeyed the gospel in prison. 1986, released in 89, and uh, started Project Rescue and attended Memphis School of Preaching, 91 to 93. We've been in Priceville, Alabama. Come by and see us. We've been in Priceville, Alabama now for 10 years. And... Uh, we, we, love, we love North Alabama, and we, and we got a chance to see a, a lot of the back roads of North Alabama because I, I thought I was looking for jacks on Highway 20, <laughs> but we made it. Sorry we were late for the class. Now, when, uh, yeah, did everybody get one? Raise your hand. We want everybody to get one. Good, good, good. Now, when COVID hit in March, they totally shut us down. We, as, as everything shut down, and uh, we had all we had about twenty men on site all day because the men they all have jobs, and for this area we're blessed because they're good jobs and uh, well-paying jobs now even. But it was all shut down, and we had everybody there, and we're saying, me and uh, Jason Cagle, the member manager, we're saying, what are we going to do with these guys? How are we going to keep them busy? So I decided to do a special Bible study on really uh, uh, the, the practical work of the Holy Spirit. I used uh, H. Leo Bowles' book. I read a lot of books, but I liked his the best. And we used a, an outline from that book and began to study a practical study of the Holy Spirit. And then within that study, I started to just search online about how the mind works, how the brain works. And I learned something amazing, that is in the last 20 years, because of MRI-type technology, the scientists, the neuroscientists, are able, able to view uh, by our brains in action and study them in action. And everything they found uh, lines up with the Bible. They found, of course, the problem of addiction, but not the solution. Uh, the majority of the scientists are not going to include God in the solution. And that is their problem. But we can still learn a lot from science. And I wanted to, and this is good for me because I haven't preached in a while, uh, but I wanted to apply the lessons I've been teaching to you this morning the church, uh, because it is to us. It's directly to Christians living in Rome. I invite you to please turn to Romans chapter 7. 
We're going to stay right in Romans chapter 7 and 8. And I, I hope you'll, you will uh, uh, notice those verses. Well, the singing was beautiful. Somebody sitting right up here has a beautiful voice now. The singing was just beautiful this morning. I enjoyed it much. Romans 7, and start on the side of your handout. It'll say the law of God according to the inward man, but it'll be a scriptural explanation. So please follow along with me. I'm really making your work this morning. Follow along with me in the uh, outline that I have too. Romans 7 and, and verse 22. For I delight, Paul writing this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for I de- and I'm reading from the New King James, I hope that's okay with everyone, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Now we've been studying an in-depth study on Romans 7 and the many types of uh, different contexts for the word law. It's the same word law, but some. Time speak about the law of Moses, the law of good and evil, the law of sin. But this is the law of God according to the inward man. A law, God designed the laws just like the law of gravity. We're just figuring it out what God designed. That's what the scientists are doing for all of uh, the earth and even the universe. The law of gravity is a powerful force. God designed that law. God set it in action and keeps it in action. It's just for us to figure it out and use it for our good. And it's the same way with this law of our mind. The brain and the mind in the brain. And of course in the New Testament, when we, this area of us, this mind, is our heart, our mind, our soul. And it speaks much of it especially in the New Testament. And if I were to, uh, the reason where I'm using Romans 7 and 8 is I can't, don't have time to teach the men the whole Bible, but really everything's in Romans chapter 7 and 8 from in the obeying the gospel to continuing on. That's why I've chosen uh, these chapters. So we have this law of God, this force, this principle. God designed our brain. He designed how they work. He designed, it's, it's the, uh, the Bible's an owner's manual. The owner's manual. And we need to read the, the uh, directions. And we need our children and our grandchildren to read the directions. This, he says, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but oh, this other law. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members. That's speaking. Of course, our mind makes our body members do. That's speaking of the mind too. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. Oh, that law of sin. Again, over in chapter 8, it speaks of the law of sin and death. Anybody that's not a member of the church, hasn't been added to the church, hasn't been born again. Anyone who is not saved, is not in Christ, is under the law of sin and death. There's no middle ground. 
In the middle of your handout there, I wanted to include Burton Kaufman's commentary, his words on this verse, Romans 7, 23. It's a figure of speech here employed about the destruction, the capture and siege and destruction of an ancient city. And we, maybe we've seen on documentaries or movies from the times back then of what they used in war. He speaks of great battering rams and catapults and excavators and demolishers of every description are brought forward to take over, to take captive and even destroy the enemy. That's the picture in Romans 7.23. All that's coming at your minds, everybody, every one of us in here have a brain, a mind, a heart. And it is under attack. It's under attack coming at us in every which way. Through all of our senses, everything we hear provokes a thought. Everything we see provokes a thought, an interaction in our mind, everything. And we need to be aware of that and be careful. Now, in, in, uh, when I was seeing the eye doctor, I was trying to search for an illustration, and I found a good one online from a, a Forbes magazine article. Forbes magazine is a business uh, magazine. And uh, this author, she wrote it, sent emails to everybody she knows. She's in the business world and millionaires and six figures and even lower than that. She sent it out and she wanted to know the top ten things people desperately desire but cannot seem to attain. What people want, real bad, but they can't seem to get their hands around it. And she got about 741 emails. And what they wrote is at the top was happiness. It's the same. We're the same. We're all it's amazing how we're all the same. Even in Christ or out of Christ seems for what we want just out of life. None of these were bad in and of themselves. Happiness. Money. A lot of problems there. But they just wanted enough to be free, to be comfortable. They wanted happiness, money, freedom, peace. Isn't that something? Peace. These are business people. Wall Street. Joy. Peace. Joy right after peace. And then they want a balance in their life. They want to be fulfilled. They want to be satisfied. And then confidence, you know, in the workplace. I think we all want that. I want that. But the thing is, how do we get it? God designed our mind. He designed what satisfies it. He designed how it best works. And when we think of it, Notice in Romans 7, 15 through 20, it's, this is crazy. Verse, this guy's going crazy. The world will drive you nuts. That's why we're told do not love the world. Don't love the things of the world. Look at these. In uh, 
Romans 7 and verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If I then, if then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Oh, it's called the law of sin, and it's a force. It's powerful, and it, it takes over. It does not fulfill us, but the world tells us it does. Let me go on with this craziness. Verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. That's a picture of someone trying to have all these eight things of fulfillment and peace and joy and being satisfied and being happy from the world. From the world and so many of us. Yes, outside of Christ. But I know I'm primarily speaking to the church. I'm speaking to brethren this morning. And of course the words are coming right back to me. And what will Satisfy me. You get stuck. You just get stuck in life. You're looking for that fulfillment in all the wrong places. And you keep hitting the gas. Hitting the gas to find it. But you're stuck in the mud. And you're going down. You're getting more and more stuck. Are you, do you find yourself in that place this morning that you're not fulfilled? You're not satisfied? You're not really happy. You're looking for something else. You're searching for something. There's got to be something else. This sermon's for you as it is for me. You've got to get yourself to verse 24 of Romans 7. You have to find your way there. It's the only way to find it, what you want, what God knows you need. He finally cries out, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's our state. Body of death. Despair. No fulfillment. No happiness. Oh, there may be glimpses here and there, but it's fleeting. We can't get our... That's what the the, uh, emails that she got. We just can't get our hands around that happiness and fulfillment and peace and and joy. You have to ask. You have to ask. Really, God sets the bar really low. It's down here. He sets the bar low to receive His help, to receive the Holy Spirit's help. The bar is low. All you have to do is ask. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Ask God for help in your life. If you really ask it and you really believe it and you want it because it's all about what you want. God's not going to force himself on you and he's definitely not going to force his peace of God that passes all understanding upon you. You have to want it. It's all in what you want. It is a want war that we all are in. 
So many outside of the church. Yeah, and I see it in my work. I talk to get calls from all around the country from hurting brethren. It's only, it's right here. We're going to get to it. You have to ask. And then we get to where you got to get to Romans chapter 8. That's what you have to work your way through. When you hit that bottom and oh wretched man, the person that I am, and ask for help. We find right away that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who do not walk according to the Spirit. I mean, those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We'll get back to that. No condemnation. God's trying to get your attention here. They're learning in the science of learning. Teachers are studying. Do I have any teachers in the assembly? Raise your hand. Appreciate our teachers. They have a tough job. But uh, teachers are learning how to reach their students. And they're finding out from the last 20 years of brain science how to get their attention. But God's trying to get your attention this morning. Telling you, I've taken care of everything. I sent Jesus. There's no condemnation. Jesus took the condemnation on the cross, being sinless as he was. He paid the price. That's good news. He did it for you. And he he did it for me. Notice verse 3, Romans 8, 3. Please follow with me now. Notice these words. Look at them. Let your eyes see them and your ears hear them this morning. They will impact your mind, your soul, your heart. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin... He condemned sin in the flesh. He said, why? Because he loves us. We need to know before that. He knows we need to know he's got our back. He's going to take care of us. He's taking care of all that when we were out there in our ignorance living wrong. There's no condemnation. We need to know that if we're going to have peace. Definitely, if we're going to have peace, we can. We need to understand and accept that we're not under condemnation. And then notice, go all the way, you may have to turn the page, to 31 through 34 with me. Notice this. He's trying to get your attention with these words this morning. Hear them. Verse 31 of Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He wants to give us it all. He wants us to be happy. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. Christianity is good. We've got it good. It's all there for us, the fulfillment. Everything is there. We just need to want it. That's the test. Do we want it? Do we want it? 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. 
Jesus is making intercession for you. How does that make you feel? What's that do to your heart and mind? It comforts mine. It comforts mine. I hope it does yours. And then verse 1 of 8. Remember now, and this is if you want to be happy. There's no condemnation. But it's for those who do not walk according to the flesh. That's a mindset. That's a way you live. That's a purpose according. You're just trying to get all you can from the physical of the world. You're loving the things of the world when you're walking according to the flesh. It won't satisfy anyone. We see it with all the one that, all the stars and the rich that have so much of the world. I don't see too much happiness. They all seem to just want more. That's the way it is. You never get enough and you always want more. In the Forbes article, the author's saying that. And it's a secular article. She's saying that. And then these beautiful words in verse 2 of Romans 8. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That law of sin and death will steal your joy. You can get back out into that even though you obeyed the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And obeyed the gospel. We're baptized into Christ. Romans chapter 7 and the law of sin is pulling you back. Pulling at your heels. That's why it's called that we have to fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Not just that quantity of life, but that quality of life. 35 through 39. Here's some other good words. Oh, God wants us to be happy. What else does he need to do? To convince us to want him. To convince us to ask for help. In, uh, starting in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. And verse 37 says in all these things we're more than conquerors. Through what? Through him who loved us. He put that little reminder under there. Who loved us. We have everything to be happy about. 38, for I'm not, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is where? In Christ. We're in Christ. Again, I ask, are you unhappy? Are you unsatisfied? Are you searching for more? You're just trying to get a grasp of it. Do you have joy? Do you have peace? Oh, I have to continually remember these words. They're like seeds in my mind. When I think about them, they bring that joy through the Word of God, which is the seed and the sword of the Spirit. Okay, now we're going into part two now. And usually at this point, somebody's left the room. Somebody in your mind, come back! 
Come back! <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was on site. <laughs> Somebody's left the room. Come back for this. Help me get through it, okay? We looked at the law of God according to the inward man. That's the law that God designed our mind and how it works. And they're finding out more about it now, a lot more. In the last 10 years, we're on the cutting edge now. We're on the cusp of some great things regarding the mind, the brain. The Bible calls it the heart, the mind, and the soul. But now let's look at the other side. I've also, as I said, when COVID hit, study how the Holy Spirit works in our mind. I wanted to see how God designed our mind. And it's amazing. It just amazed me to study. And I want, I've been consulting with two, uh, I don't have any kind of letters after my name at all. I've only got numbers after my name. My prison number, 599120. But I've been consulting with people with letters after their brain, after their uh, name, not their brain, after their name. And I want, really what I'm looking for, maybe there's one here this morning. I'm looking for someone who has a master's degree in Bible and a master's degree in neuroscience. Raise your hand. That's what I look for, high and low through the brotherhood for somebody with that. If I was thinking about going to school and at that age now, that is what I would take. Because they work well together. They're working for us. I want to tell you right out uh, that uh, um, I think eight or nine of the men here right now are, are, are either quitting nicotine or have already quit and tested clean for nicotine. Smoking, vaping. Nicotine is the most addictive drug and the uh, hardest drug to quit. Children, be aware of that, children. But let's notice this now with this. And uh, this is from Dr. Tammy uh, Rogers. She's a neuroscientist. She's a member of the, uh, in Murfreesboro, the North Boulevard Church of Christ. The brain is the most complex organ in the human body. It has many different functions that help ensure our survival. See, uh, uh, we have a reward pathway, is what she's saying. Sometimes it's called a reward circuit in our brain. And on the picture I have, that's a picture of it. That's the only, there's so much about the brain you can study. The only portion that we're considering this morning and that I continue to study is in the picture. Our reward pathways, a reward circuit. It's really, they thought it, they used to call it a pleasure center. But then when they looked deeper into the brain, they saw that it's a circuit, that there are pathways. And, and things activate that reward system. I submit to you this morning that this is the area of our brain where we love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, all thy mind, and all thy strength. This is the area of that brain, of what we like, what we love, and what we want, and what we devote ourselves to. This is also the area that Satan attacks. Remember that law of sin and death. He delights in the law of God after the inward man, but there's another law. Warring against the law of my mind. This is where that war takes place in this part of our mind. 
of our brain. And it's a vicious war here. God designed our reward system just like we read in Genesis 1, the creation account, that everything that he made was good. And at the end, what? Very good. He made our brains very good. We wouldn't be here this morning if we didn't have this motivation system because that's what it is. It's a motivation. This is a dopamine pathway. They call it dopamine. And they used to think that that was what made us high and gave us euphoria. It is not. Now they know. It is what makes us get up and get something. When you woke up this morning, you probably wanted breakfast. I did. Laying there, I'm looking forward. Well, I'll tell you how it hit me yesterday, how the dopamine worked. See this with the picture here? This one neuroscientist, Mark Lewis, designed, uh, uses this ship illustration, and it makes it simple because I need it to be simple. I need it to be on a sixth grade level to understand it. But in our brain, it works like we have a bridge, the main deck, our prefrontal cortex. This is the executive function. This is the CEO and the general of you right here. You decide what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, what you like, what you don't like. But then we also have a pump. It's a dopamine pump. And when you see something you want, it starts manufacturing dopamine and it sends a signal up to the nucleus accumbens. That's the engine. So the pump, you see something you like. Could be ice cream, potato chips, cake. You're going to lunch. You're probably looking forward to lunch now. I'm hurrying. You're thinking about it. That's that dopamine to get going, get you up, get you motivated. Well, the way it hit me yesterday, I'm going to Whataburger. Raise your hand if you've tried Whataburger yet. Anybody? You too far away. <laughs> we love. I love Whataburger. But uh, I'm on my way there because the lines have been so terrible. So I go about three o'clock. And I'm, I usually go in to eat. I'm going to get online because I'm waiting for two guys. They're shopping. I'm going to eat the, a Whataburger. And I'm looking forward to it. And I get up, about five, four cars. I pull up to the speaker. And the lady gets on and says, well, sir, I appreciate that you're here at Whataburger. We appreciate your business very much. But I have to tell you, we are all out of meat. What in the world? And the closer I got, I'm, I'm number five, that pump. Look at the picture. That pump's going. And it's, that's the engine. That the, the engine's going. I'm number two now. I'm seeing water. I'm going to get a number two, but I'm not going to get onions on it. I like onions better, but I got a praise today, so I didn't get the onions. I'm, I'm sacrificing for you at Whataburger. So then I'm number one. Then I'm pulling up. It's on full blast. I got to hit the gas. And then I hear that. You know what happened as soon as she told me that? That pump shut off. The engine stopped. Then I thought, where else am I going to eat? <laughs> That's how it works, okay? And if you're under that law of sin and death, if you're not in Christ, it's a good thing to have. If we didn't have that motivation, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. If, we didn't, if you didn't have dopamine in your brain... You would not be here now. You would lay in bed all day. You wouldn't even get up to eat. We have to have it. It is good. It makes us code and decide what things are good for us. Isn't that amazing how God does that? 
He made Whataburger hamburgers and he made my taste buds. <laughs> and they taste good. So we go back and get more. It's partly for survival. But it's also, he wants us to enjoy life. But it can get out of hand, this system. And that's what I have in these paragraphs from the uh, neuroscientists. Because you can become over-motivated for something. What is it that gets your nucleus accumbens going? <laughs> what gets your engine going? You know, you got. do you have a hobby? That's good. Certainly it's uh, somebody sitting next to you, surely. Somebody you love. Oh, it'll really get going. Uh, uh, you know, it could be eating a meal, going to, taking a, going to school, seeing friends. They, everything you like, enjoy, and you choose it, and then you go back and do it again. But it can get out of hand. Even good things in and of themselves. Now, uh, uh, relations between husband and wife for the sake of procreation, we're hardwired for that. We already, we don't have to learn it. And food, water, no, our body's going to tell us. But just about everything else God allows us to choose, and he's been allowing human beings to choose since Eve. Looked on that. Boy, just think of what her dopamine was doing in the engine. When she was looking on it and saw it was good, it was going to make her wise, and all of that, to where it overcame her and she gave in. Now what's this mean to our happiness, our fulfillment? You see, the dopamine does not fulfill. Remember, it shut off. I couldn't get Whataburger. I was unfulfilled when I left that restaurant. And that's how people are with a lot of things. The dopamine will keep going. Sometimes you won't even like something anymore, but you continue to do it because you have a habit of doing it. And it can cause all kinds of, of problems. She says there, so on the right, second paragraph, so while the reward pathway is important for motivation and for uh, deciding what things in the environment we like, it can also easily be hijacked, creating excessive motivation for behaviors like eating, winning, sex, chemical, and then of course different chemicals, uh, process, sins. All the sins marked uh, in Galatians 5, all those sins that are listed in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, they all get attacked this part of our brain and they try to hijack something that God made good for us just like Satan does with everything else and to, to just take it over. I have some other handouts for those that I know that the, the children are, are away at camp. But if any grandparents or any wanted, I, I have some other uh, articles up here on the front pew regarding this. Uh, of course, I'm going to, and then I'll be back tonight if there's not enough. I'll just leave them on the front pew. Oh, Eli will give them out. And one, I believe that when it's time to tell your child 
and talk to your child about the birds and the bees, it should be also time to talk to them about this. About just this simple system. In an article, I put it in simple terms uh, uh, for, a, for a child of this Romans 7 and 8 and so many other passages. They need, they need to know. They're smart. Children are smart today. They're smarter than us. They just have so much knowledge, but so much of it's bad knowledge. But a lot of it is good. They're smart. They have so much knowledge at their fingertips. They need to know how their brain works. It's simple now, and, and you know we, we know it, and, and it's according to the Bible. Then I have another article here. Please read this before you give your child a smartphone. And uh, it's a good one. You may read it and take it back. No. <laughs> Uh, I have a smartphone. They're very addictive. They'll take us over. They get, you get, they, there's a reason why when they get a text or something, that ding, or, or get a like on Facebook, woo, little dopamine rush. All these apps, they use brain science. The world, the things of the world. Satan uses brain science against us. Now, I'm on Facebook. I have a smartphone, and uh, you know, I text, email, I love my phone, don't take my phone from me, please, I need it, and there are things that are good, but just like our reward pathway, it's good, but it can become hijacked, and people get addicted to social media, and, and all that, there's all kinds of problems, one one child, teenager, was on social media, on the internet, 18 hours a day. And it can get out of hand, this motivation. And it's that dopamine. And that, you keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So, so I, I uh, have that, these articles up here. But I want to go back to Romans 8 now by way of invitation. Romans chapter 8. Again, by way of invitation, I was so glad to hear these words after living as an addict for 15 years. When I look at it now, I've just crossed over. For the first 34 years of my life, I lived outside of Christ. I was really, except for when I was a baby, when I became accountable, I was under the law of sin and death. I know it now. I was under that law. And of course, I just didn't know anything about God. My parents didn't tell me they didn't have God. But I wasn't happy. I tried to find it in things outside of me. Drugs, drink. It just got me in more and more trouble and finally sent me to prison. And in prison, I thought that was it. But I was so glad Frank Parker... Oh, boy, a gospel preacher, a mailman, came into that prison. Around, uh, I guess, about three months before I obeyed the gospel on June 1st, 1986. And I didn't know anything about the Bible. He was uh, studying about the Old Testament, about Moses and believing uh, Exodus and and I said, yeah, I know Charlton Heston. I saw that movie. That's all I knew of it. Clean slate, knew nothing. 
He taught me the gospel. And I obeyed that gospel. And I found out that I was not under any condemnation for anything that I did. If I'd only stopped walking according to the flesh. If I'd only turn walking, that means living according to the Spirit. And I learned these things of reading Luke 15 and the parable of the lost. And that Jesus had a special place in his heart for sinners like me. I knew, I, I, I accepted that. I internalized that. It changed my life right there and I asked for help. I reached that low bar even before I obeyed the gospel. And I could see hope. I could see light. And I wanted more. I was liking it. I was liking it. He got my attention with that love. No condemnation. And then... Verse 2, the law of the spirit of life, Christ Jesus, would set me free from the law of sin and death. Isn't it something I had to go to prison to become free? Maybe you're here this morning and you're not free. You know you're not free. You don't have the fulfillment and the peace and the joy and the contentment. It's here. You can be set free from whatever is stealing that. Even this morning, if there's one here. Notice the law. It's a force. It's a good law. It's the law of the Holy Spirit. It's the law of the Spirit of what? Life. He came to give us life. Real life. Not all this out in the world. It's not going to give you life. I've tried that. No, but this is real, true life satisfaction I heard that gospel I heard it I wanted to hear it oh I read the Bible before in and out of jail read the Bible didn't mean anything to it but God had my attention at this point in my life right now I live 34 years outside of Christ I just turned 69 I don't look at doing I live 34 years outside of Christ and now, right? Am I right on the math? Who's got to calculate? 35, one more year in Christ. Oh, it's good. It's not all good. Yes, all things work together for good, like Romans 8, 28 tells us. But everything that happens isn't good. But I know I always have hope, even when times are tough, I know God has my back. I know these verses in, in Romans 8. So you have to hear the gospel. Believe it. Oh the belief is wanting it. Receiving it. He's not going to force it. We have to receive that. Law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That gospel. And then repent. The hardest one. To have that change of mind. Brought about by godly sorrow. For that life. That you lived than to let the one know that's baptizing me. I believe. I believe with all of my heart. And being immersed. Being baptized. For the forgiveness of sins. No condemnation. It's washed away. Arise and be baptized. And wash away your sins. So. Romans 6. Which we'll be looking at tonight. They come up out of that water. To walk 
in newness of life. A new life. Do you want that this morning? You have to want it. You have to choose. God made your mind to choose him. And when you do, it's like those two paths. It makes all the difference. Please come forward as we stand and as we sing this song.